Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Be warned that once you pick up a refreshingly cold drink from McDonald's and people see just how refreshingly cold that drink from McDonald's is, you may create drink envy because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. For a morning brew that really creates a stir, get any size iced coffee, including caramel and French vanilla, for just 99 cents before 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. It's time for Dodger Baseball. And that's right play. Dodgers have won it all in 2020. Mookie Betts, Craig left field. They're going to make big signings. They're going to make impact trades. I don't care how many times this team rips my heart out, I'll never stop loving the Los Angeles Dodgers. Big blue, bleed blue, and I'm out. What's going on, Dodgers Nation? Doug McCain here. My friends call me DMAC. You can follow me on X and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. We've got a live episode of Dodgers Dugout coming to you in a jam-packed show on tap for today's episode. The Dodgers are linked to Bo Bichette. Could the Dodgers pull off a trade for Bo Bichette? Is that rumor real? Also, Willie Adamas. Shohei Otani could sign a shorter-term deal. What does that mean for the Dodgers? I'm sure Andrew Friedman would love that as a possibility. And we've got Nine burning questions for the Dodgers this offseason. So a jam-packed show about your boys in blue. And if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the Dodgers Nation YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. Do us a huge favor and smash that like button. For all the latest Dodgers news rumors all offseason long. But happy Monday, Dodgers Nation. Got a big week here at Dodgers Nation. We're probably one of the biggest weeks ever here at Dodgers Nation. We'll get into that Possibly later, but let's dive down in the comments section before we hit topic number one. We got Daniel Macy, my man DMAC. What up, DMAC? We got JR. What up, DMAC? We got BC. Go Dodgers. By the way, a lot of you have been asking me about the buttons, about the fire takes for the live show, and we have them today. So if I see a fire take, you know, I'm looking for those hot, lava, spicy takes. If I see one of those, you're going to see one of these. Fire take. You guys know I love the trash talk. I love the burns. If you guys are going to bring one of those, you're going to see one of these. Finish him. Anything out of pocket, anything a little sus, one of these. Bruh. If you have a comment of the show, we're looking for that comment of the show. I've got super producer Jordan to my right. He's looking for your comments. After each segment, we'll dive into those comments. If you bring a comment of the show, you will see one of these. You win. But we got okay. Craig. We got Craig Osterberg. What up, DMac? Happy Monday, DMac from Rody. Did you hear that Peralta had elbow surgeries out for five months? We'll talk about that. DMac, you rock. You rock. Will L. We got Cindy. But yeah, thanks for joining us here. Let's dive right into it. So I don't, do not know if you saw this, but there was a little rumor that was circulating about the Dodgers monitoring 
Toronto Blue Jays shortstop Bo Bichette. MLB.com's Juan Taribia wrote that the Dodgers may also pursue Willie Adamas of the Milwaukee Brewers and the Toronto Blue Jays shortstop Bo Bichette if they look to address the shortstop position externally. Taribia wrote, the Dodgers, however, will continue to monitor the trade market for a shortstop, mainly Milwaukee's Willie Adamas and Toronto's Bo Bichette. So he just kind of threw in the name Bo Bichette. This was published probably a week ago. Not a lot of people were talking about it since this past weekend, and it really came as a surprise. One, are the Toronto Blue Jays really looking to trade away Bo Bichette? I mean, this is a team that they're committed to winning now. They made the playoffs a year ago. This year didn't go as planned, but still you saw that they haven't made that deep run, but you have a lot of win now players. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., they went out and signed George Springer a few years ago. I will say you look at some of their free agents, four of their nine starters for the nine starters in that lineup, guys like Matt Chapman, right? They are free agents this offseason. Now, I don't think that's enough to say, okay, let's blow up a young core of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and George Springer and Bo Bichette. I don't think it's enough to do that. I do find it very interesting to see that name included. Now, first thing, how good of a player is Bo Bichette? How many years of team control is he under? Well, Bichette has two years left on his contract before potentially becoming a free agent after the 2025 season. Bichette is in the second year of a three-year, $33.6 million deal that he signed with the Blue Jays back last February. He had a great year again. He made a second All-Star team. He's led the American League in hits two of the last three seasons. And if you look at his numbers compared to other shortstop, he's is truly elite. He's one of the elite shortstops in Major League Baseball. He hit 305 last year. That was second behind Corey Seager. Had a 338 on base percentage. That was sixth. A 480 slugging percentage. That was fourth. Hit 29 doubles, 20 home runs. That was eighth. And had a 3.8 F4. That was ninth among qualified shortstops. Now, what he is as a player is someone that can hit close to 300 or over, can get you between 20 and 30 home runs, between 30 and 40 doubles. Defensively, he's average to below average, had a five defensive run save last season. That was tied with Corey Seager. Did post a 4.6 use yard 150. That is sixth in Major League Baseball. But you don't have him on your team for his defense. He is at a bat first, offensive first, shortstop, and he's someone that has star potential as well. Well, he's got that, the bow flow. We call him show Bichette. He's someone that definitely would benefit from being in LA. There's a marketability aspect to it. And like I said, he truly is one of the best hitters in major league baseball. If you look at his career, five years, if you look at his batting average, the lowest it's ever been was 290. And that was in 2022. If you look at his OPS plus for his career, it's at 126. So he's been 26% above league average throughout his career. So, you know, Bo Bichette can rake. There's no doubt about that. The question is, what is he available? That's where I have my doubts because this is a guy that is a star. He's someone that could stay in Toronto long-term. Most Blue Jays fans say that he's the best player on that team, that he's better than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Look, I want a lot of things, but are they truly available? That's the big question. And the other big question, too, is, I mean, why would they move him? I mean, one, they're trying to win. Two, they just did renovations on the Sky Dome. They want fans to come out. They want to have that attendance number go up. And look, 
it only happens if another team offers a massive amount, a godfather offer, an absolute haul. We're talking possibly three top prospects, right? Three top prospects. I mean, would the Dodgers be willing to part ways with a Michael Bush, a Diego Cartaya, a Gavin Lux, who's not a prospect, but still, would Gavin Lux be included in that deal? A Ryan Pepio, an Emmett Sheehan, Nick Frasso, Josue DePaula. We're talking top prospects. That's what it would require. And if you're LA, do you really want to push those chips in and cash in on those top prospects for a shortstop when you desperately need starting pitching? To me, that's like going out there and buying a Porsche when you don't have a functioning toilet, right? The roof is already leaking and you're trying to add an infinity pool, right? Is it too much of a luxury? I mean, look, there's two ways to look at that. The first way is, well, he's an elite player. He's an elite shortstop. These shortstops don't grow on trees. There's essentially 10 shortstops on the planet right now. 10 shortstops on the planet that have posted above average numbers offensively, right? So if you want a shortstop that can rake, they're very difficult to find. They're harder to find than elite pitcher, right? It's Easier to find an ace-level pitcher right now than it is to find a shortstop that can rake, and Bo Bichette certainly can do that. Now, the other thing, too, is would the Dodgers be willing to trade for him and sign him to a long-term extension, or would they just want him for two years? He's under two years of team control. That's a possibility as well. This is an organization that's had elite shortstops in the past from Trey Turner to Corey Seager before him. This past year was different. I mean, this past year, you had Miguel Rojas who stepped in for an injured Gavin Lux and Miguel Rojas defensively, he was great. He finished top four Major League Baseball in essentially every category defensively. Defensive run saved, outs above average. You saw the highlight plays all year. And I think in a year that... You had the restricted shift for the first time. It did make sense to have a glove for a shortstop as you're transitioning. But offensively, he had a 66 OPS plus hit 236. So really was the first time in a while that we saw this Dodgers team have a below average offensive shortstop, albeit someone that performed well defensively with the glove, but I'm not so sure that made a ton of sense. And the, I mean, it made a lot of sense at the time, but long-term really kind of banks on can Gavin Lux be that guy. So the next big question is, do you believe in Gavin Lux? And let me know down below in the comment section. On a scale of 1 to 10, what is your confidence level that Gavin Lux will ultimately be the long-term shortstop for the Dodgers? Can he be that long-term solution for LA? I definitely think that it behooves the Dodgers to still Give Gavin Lux that opportunity. Now, will it happen in year one coming off a torn ACL and LCL? Maybe not. Just look at Ronald Acuna Jr., right? He's going to win the MVP. But that first year, he definitely had some ups and downs. It's not like he came back right away and was the same player that he was. So in the first year returning, I still think you have to temper those expectations, recalibrate them a little bit. Now, I do think that Gavin Lux is someone that deserves to play shortstop, deserves an opportunity at some point, but the Dodgers are always looking to improve their roster. Bo Bichette is a needle mover. If he's available, they have the prospects to get a deal done. There's not a lot of teams out there that have the treasured trove of prospects to be able to pull off a deal for a Bo Bichette. So look, I think there's a smart organization that's always willing to listen. They're not going to just say no to everything because they have a certain player that could 
might, if everything breaks right, be a long-term solution at shortstop. But right now, Gavin Lux has a lot to prove. He has to prove, one, that he can stay healthy. Two, that he can establish himself as a bat that can justify that. And three, that he can handle the position defensively for an entire year. Back in 2021, when Corey Seager went down with the injury, he did a nice job stepping into that position. But I don't think there's anyone out there that thinks that Gavin Lux is going to be an elite shortstop defensively. I think at this point, if he's just league average defensively and hits close to 300, considering how affordable he is and the fact that he's under team control until 2027, you'll live with that. Now, the other option is, could you play Gavin Lux at second base if you bring in a Bo Bichette? Well, the problem with that is Mookie Betts still wants to play some second base. If you look at Mookie's numbers offensively, when he plays in the infield, they're better. Mookie has a lot of pull within this organization. If he has gone to the organization and says, hey, I want to be a second baseman, they are going to honor that, right? And it gives them a good chance to win. You also look at the fact that you have Chris Taylor, you have Miguel Rojas, you have the possibility of bringing back a Kike Hernandez. So look, at the end of the day, if you make a trade and you get the best player, the team that gets the best player always wins that trade. But if trading for a Bo Bichette means that you're not going to trade for one of these potential elite starters that are available, then I think that you have to for sure address that first. Now, maybe the Dodgers are out there saying, you know what? We can address the starting pitching through free agency. We're going to go out there and sign an Aaron Nola, a Yamamoto, an Imanaga, a Blake Snell, a Jordan Montgomery, a Sonny Gray, any of these top flight starters that could be available. If you get two of those guys... I think that's pretty unlikely, but I'm just trying to paint the picture of a scenario where it would make sense to part ways with some of those top prospects for Bo Bichette. Then maybe you do consider that. But I think right now, if I had to rank this on a scale of one to 10 on the Dodgers rumor meter right now, as far as Dodgers dogs right now, I would say that this is pretty much a one and a half, right? This is something that there's not a lot of smoke here. There's no doubt about it that he is a phenomenal player but I'm just not so sure that it makes a ton of sense for the Dodgers right now. But let's dive down below in the comments section here. What are your thoughts on Bo Bichette as a Dodger? Sino Tani and Yamamoto, and I'll be happy. That's from Mike M. Big two, Johnny Owen, two Dodger dogs from Ronald Pasquale. Yeah, look, this is something that until we see another report on it from another insider that's saying, okay, the Toronto Blue Jays are listening to offers for Bo Bichette. I'm going to refuse that he's even available, okay? I don't even think that he's available right now. I don't think that's the case. I think that he's their best player. He's a big star. He's show Bichette. I just don't think that's what's going on at the moment. We got Bo ain't going nowhere. Yeah, Bo knows, right? Bo knows that he's probably going to be staying in Toronto. Boomer Assassin, Bo ain't going anywhere. Just Lombas. I'd take Bo Bichette. I don't see Toronto wanting to trade him just yet. Two Dodger dogs. Yeah, it looks like we're all on the same page. One Dodger dog, two Dodger dog. And really, that's one of my goals for this show is I know a lot of people, a lot of websites will run with a story like this and do some click baiting and that kind of stuff. This show is to really keep it real. You guys know I keep it a buck. I keep it 100 with you. My goal is the truth here. Adamas hit 217 last season with the Brewers. I need my shortstop to hit higher than that. It's from Golden Era Hip Hop Forever. Now, I will say that's definitely true. And if you look at Willie Adamas, he's someone that doesn't hit for average. There's no doubt about that. But he does bring some value as far as what he can do as a slugger. I mean, he slugged 407 last year, hit 24 home runs, 
did hit 217. The strikeout rate is high. The walk rate isn't high at all. And you look at defensively, he's one of the better defensive shortstops in the game. Now, Willie Adamas makes more sense from the standpoint that, one, if he were to be traded, maybe you could package him with a Corbin Burns or a Devin Williams, make a blockbuster trade out of that, and you bring in a pitcher, a reliever, a shortstop. And Willie Adamas is under one more year of team control, right? So the price for him isn't going to be as high. It's not the top shelf stuff, right? It's the second, third shelf stuff, right? I mean, you're not going big game hunting for Willie Adamas, but if you're the Dodgers and you're trying to bring in a Willie Adamas as a one-year stopgap while you try to evaluate where Gavin Lux is physically, because look, I think that's a lot to ask of Gavin Lux. Let's just be honest here. That's a lot to ask. You're asking him to basically take the final on the first day of school, right? To have a shortstop going there First day back, first game action back. And Brandon Gomes has already talked about that. Yeah, they're probably not going to have him back every single day at the shortstop position, right? You're going to mix things up. But to expect Gavin Lux coming off an ACL and an LCL in a rangy position where there's lateral movement involved to think that, hey, we're just going to give him the keys to the shortstop position on a team that has World Series aspirations. And then you're playing alongside Max Muncie. Just think of the left side of that infield with Max Muncie and Gavin Lux there. I'm not so sure that I'm too high on the idea of that full-time. So if you're bringing a Willie Adamas, it does make some sense. So I'd prefer to get a deal done that includes Willie Adamas, Corbin Burns, maybe even a Devin Williams if you really want to swing for the fences and you take advantage of that. Now, Bo Bichette does become available. Dodgers, like I said, they're Amazon. Whatever you want, they've got it. You want pitchers. You want high-level catchers. You want position players. You got guys with upside. You got a lot of talent within this organization. You want a big league ready player, right? You want guys like Pepio and Sheehan and Grove and Kyle Hurt, Lux in the deal possibly. I mean, they have everything you would need to get a deal done. But let's go down below in the comments section. We are going to change the to the next topic. We're going to switch gears to a very interesting development in the Shohei Otani News, the winter of Otani continues to roll on. We got all in for Odamas and Burns. That's from Ronald Pasquale. No Max Muncy at third. That's from Johnny Owen. DKM, from here on out, the Octobers are always going to be short regardless of what the Dodgers trade or get. Wow, DKM, you're just filled with sunshine and rainbows this Monday morning here. Hey, look, this team could change on a dime. I think you make the right trades, make the right signings, and then you hope that you get hot and you stay healthy. Stay healthy. Get hot, you win a World Series. I have no doubt about it. But DKM pass some of that good stuff that you are smoking. That's from Michael Lawler. Arenado at third. We'll talk some third. Like I said, later in the show, I got nine burning questions that the Dodgers need to answer this offseason. Jesus says, LMAO, bro, the Dodgers are dreaming high. Axe 238, Dodgers last World Series title is like 1 million years ago. Really? Because last time I checked, checks notes, uh, it was like three years ago. They won in 2020. Willie Don was going to hit 30 home runs in a season. I'll take 30 home runs from the shortstop position. That's from Justin Lamas. The Peyton Owl says, if Bo Bichette is available, I'd give Sheen, Stone, Bush, and Cartaya. That's actually the trade that I cooked up this morning for him. At least it was one of them. And you look at values right there. I mean, MLB trade values got to take it with a grain of salt, right? But yeah, I mean, if they would be, if they would consider an offer like that for Bo Bichette, two years of him, you got to impact shortstop offensively. I definitely think they would consider it, but all this is a 
is, is all this is moot if you can't fix the rotation, right? You got to fix that rotation before you consider that. Let's not forget this is an offense last year that scored over 900 runs. But next here on Dodgers Dugout Live, we're talking to Shohei Otani. There is a very interesting development on the potential contract he could sign. That's coming up next here on Dodgers Dugout Live. What up, Dodgers Nation? D-Mag here. I'm here to remind you that if you have not yet, be sure to subscribe to the number one Dodgers YouTube channel for all latest Dodgers news, rumors, hype videos, interviews, breakdowns, live streams, and more all year long. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. And if you really want to help the channel out, smash that like button. Also, you will not be eligible for any of our giveaways unless you are subscribed to the channel. So all you need to do to be eligible for all of our giveaways is just make sure that you are subscribed. We just gave away a brand new authentic Mookie Betts jersey valued at over $350. And we got tons of giveaways coming this offseason. So be sure to be subscribed so you are eligible to win. And as always, think blue, bleed blue, and please subscribe. And welcome back to Dodgers Dugout Live. Thank you for making Dodgers Dugout Live your daily Dodgers podcast. We cover all things Dodger baseball, news, rumors, analysis, breakdowns. You're going to find it right here on Dugout Live. So if you haven't yet, be sure to hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, and hit that like button. And also let me know down below, what are your thoughts on the linking of Bo Bichette to the Dodgers? Do you think there's any possibility that, one, the Toronto Blue Jays would consider making him available, or two, that the Dodgers should do that if they were to make him available? We got Cesar. Hello, D-Mac. Hello, everyone. What up, Cesar, down below? Tim Anderson, LOL. What up, D-Mac's mama over on YouTube? Mike M, 900 runs and a big nothing burger in the playoffs. There's no doubt about that, Mike M. And we're going to talk about the offense and what they need to do to fix the offense and how they need to lengthen the six through nine. And you can't just rely solely on Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. Yeah, that is an issue. There is no doubting that. And yeah, you're right. This team, they stunk up the joint during the postseason. They just did not show up. They were on a milk box missing regular season. They were phenomenal in the postseason. They just weren't. But let's dive into the next topic here. And of course, it's tough for us to go show without talking about Otani. The winter of Otani rolls on, and there's some talk that Shohei Otani might be considering a short-term deal that includes an opt-out and possible multiple opt-outs so he can reestablish his value as an A starting pitcher. This is from Kylie McDaniel of ESPN. There's some growing buzz that Otani will want to answer this question by signing a shorter deal, then pitching in 2025 and maybe 2026 before hitting the market again to cash in, but also maximize his earnings this winter. This would mean signing for something like a six-year deal at a high AAV, let's say 55 to $60 million per year with an opt-out or two that he intends on using. So that tells you right there, that maybe, just maybe, there's a possibility that Andrew Freeman and the Dodgers can get their dreams. This has to be music to Andrew Freeman's ears. I saw someone post a meme that had the guy with the yellow suit behind the tree rubbing his hands together at the possibility of Otani signing a shorter-term deal and that this was Andrew Freeman. And yeah, absolutely, there's no question about it, that if he were to be willing to sign a shorter-term deal, something in the range of 55 to $60 million per season, that would take him to possibly $180 million, and then you have those opt-outs, and then he can reestablish himself as an ace-level pitcher. There's a universe where Shohei Otani can earn north of $600 million 
million dollars, six hundred fifty million dollars. Just give him all the money. I mean, you're talking about someone that is as marketable as any player that we've ever seen. Like I told you in last week's show, just look at how marketable he is. Last year he made forty million dollars. The second highest earner as far as major league players was Bryce Harper at seven million. Aaron Judge, the MVP on the Yankees in New York, the biggest market. He made four and a half million. So he doesn't just move the needle. He is the needle. And I think the big question for Otani is, does he really want to put himself in a position where he's jumping to different teams? Or does he want to reestablish his roots on another franchise and start the process of going after a World Series title? Now, as a pitcher this last season, he went 10 and five, had a 3-1-4 ERA, a 1.06 whip in 23 starts. The strikeout numbers, they were sky high when he was on he was unhittable once again and look there's no doubting that he is an ace level pitcher like I was saying a few days ago this guy is a traduction of Corey Seager Matt Olson and Jacob deGrom Dylan sees an elite pitcher and an elite hitter right you roll that into one you put that in the pot and you mix it up you have one of the most unique players that this game has ever seen. No, check that. The most unique player that this game has ever seen. He is a true unicorn. Now, the question is, are teams going to give him that much less of an offer because he's not going to be able to pitch next season? In my opinion, when you consider those other factors that I just laid out, I just don't think that's going to be the case. I still think there are going to be teams out there, the Giants, the Dodgers, the Rangers, the Mets potentially, the Mariners. I mean, there's going to be teams out there that are going to be willing to spend big. I think it's going to come down to the big markets. And if you're Shohei Otani, you could still sign a massive deal that still has some opt-outs. I think that's how much leverage he has in this game, in this negotiating process moving forward. I don't expect that to be the case. And look, the reality is, yes, it's a second Tommy John surgery. There's no doubting that, but he's Shohei Otani, right? I mean, if you look at his strikeouts per nine, last year was at 11.39. That was ninth in Major League Baseball. If you look at the expected numbers, under four, expected FIP, a 358. So you could still see him being a contributor as a pitcher, but still, that wasn't going to last the duration of his contract. If you're Shohei Otani, if you were to sign a shorter-term deal with some opt-outs, then by the time you get to the negotiating table, teams are going to wonder how much longer are you going to be able to pitch and are you going to be able to hit? If I'm Otani, I get this deal done now. I sign for north of $500 million with the Dodgers, right? And then you just go after championships. I think that has to be the move. McDaniel also suggests that if he goes this route, I mean, talking 55 and 60 million. I mean, that would be around 180 million, the same amount that they were trying to give Bryce Harper. And that's a lot less than 500 to 600 million dollars. I think that Otani, it's not just about the money. I think that it's about setting records. I think you want to be the highest AAV ever. I think you want to set the possible years record as well. But let's not deny this a shorter term deal. That absolutely falls in with Andrew Freeman's philosophies as far as shorter-term deals with higher AAVs. It mitigates the risk on the back end. It maintains flexibility so you can 
go after other players and address other needs. On the same token, let's not forget, this is the franchise that gave Mookie Betts a 12-year, $365 million deal. This is the same franchise that gave a Freddie Freeman, who was north of 30, a six-year, $162 million deal. So let's not act like this organization isn't willing to give money to top-level players when they're the right guy. If Friedman really wants them, and there's reports out there that he's, quote, obsessed with Shohei Otani, I'm pretty sure he's going to do whatever it takes. Give him $500-plus million. Give him anything that he needs to make sure that he's in Dodger blue and helping this team win World Series and putting butts in the seats and selling sponsorships and jerseys. I don't care, like I said a few weeks ago. Make him Shohei owner Otani. Give him an ownership stake. I'm, of course, I'm kidding about that, but still, I mean, they're going to go to great lengths to get him, and I just don't think that's going to come down to that. But I will say that why would Otani want to do this? Why would Shohei Otani want to go this route? Well, one, it would potentially open up his market for teams that couldn't afford him at a $500 or $600 million price. It would open up his market to other teams out there that could win a World Series next season that would otherwise not be in the mix for Shohei. Maybe the Atlanta Braves right? Maybe some other teams out there that could compete next season. And then you reestablish yourself as a starting pitcher in 2025. And then you re-enter the market after hopefully winning a world series and checking that box off for your legacy. Maybe that's it. He's also shown that he's willing to play for a smaller market team. He did that with the angels. Maybe he's more comfortable with the smaller market team. And you realize that these teams that can offer you 500, $600 million for the most part, those are big market teams. Those are teams that get a lot of media attention. The Dodgers, the Mets, right? The giants teams like that. So maybe he's more comfortable with having that optionality, having that flexibility, being able to explore other markets and really open things up. He's shown some interest in the Cubs in the past. I mean, what we've learned with Shohei Otani is Shohei shocked the world once with signing with the Angels. Shohei could shock the world again if he signs with a lesser market team. Now, I personally think at the end of the day that Shohei is going to sign with the team for $500 plus million. I personally believe that he's going to set that record and he wants to join an organization that, one, can help him consistently win, two, be able to have patience with him and allow him to do what he wants. If he wants to be a starting pitcher, do that. If they're open to the idea of him coming in out of the bullpen as a closer, you do that. What are your thoughts on him being an outfielder? How open is this organization to essentially doing whatever Shohei Otani wants, right? I think he wants to have a certain level of control. I remember being in Anaheim after his start with the Dodgers and being in that press room. And it's very different. It is very different. Shohei Otani answers as many questions as he wants. They limit who can ask questions in those situations, right? A lot of the times he wanted to be, it was a day where they just, Shohei Otani comes out and they had it all set up right at the, at the uh, front there with the desk and the chair and they had a water bottle, his microphone ready. And Shohei just looked to the Angels PR person and said, I want to do this standing up. Literally in the snap of a finger, they grabbed a step and repeat, put it behind Shohei Otani, told the media we're doing this thing standing up. He'll answer questions for three minutes. They had the guys picked out for the questions, and that was it. So Shohei has a certain level of control with his organizations, and I think that that's definitely going to play a big factor. And if you're Otani, I think it makes the most sense to really just Find a way to get that team that you think and trust is going to 
be able to accommodate you from that standpoint. Me personally, I still feel like the Dodgers are in great shape. If you ask anyone out there, the Dodgers are the favorite. They're the betting favorite. Most executives around the league think he's going to land in L.A. Most insiders think he's going to land in L.A. It almost feels like it's too good to be true. And I feel like I'm Michael Scott and I'm ready to get hurt again. But I'm willing to say that Shohei Otani is going to be on the Los Angeles Dodgers. I've said it for years now. If you go back and watch my videos for literally two years, I said that he would end up in L.A. And whatever he does, this is going to be my reaction. Otani. That's all good. Um, <laughs> I will figure that out. But yeah, that, let me know down below in the comment section. What are your thoughts on Shohei Otani and the possibility of signing a, a shorter term deal. View track says it is too good to be true with some laughing emojis. Rod Wilson, Shohei won as many postseason games as the Doyers did last season. Rod Wilson, that's true, but he was surrounded by butter knives, right? He was surrounded by an injured Mike Trout. I mean, that's not on Otani. In Major League Baseball, it's not like other sports, right? The star player has the least amount of impact and control of being an impact because you can pitch around him. Can you pitch around him in this Dodgers lineup? Can you pitch around him when he's sandwiched in between Freddie Freeman and potentially Will Smith and Max Muncy and guys like that? The answer is no. Only question is, do you bat him in the two hole or the three hole? I think I go back and forth. Sometimes you look at him at the two hole and you say he's faster than Freddie Freeman, can be a little more of a dynamic base runner. The three hole hits for more power than Freddie. He can drive in more runs. These are champagne problems, right? These are champagne problems for the Dodgers. Yeah, let's get Tom Candiotti back. That's from Kermit. That's a fire take. Roland, that's such a goofy thing to say. What if Otani goes to the Rangers or the Braves? Hey, exactly. I mean, why not? I mean, he can do what he wants. At the end of the day, I think it's really funny out there. People saying, oh, the Dodgers failed if they don't get Shohei Otani. I would only say that is if reports come out after the fact that the Dodgers didn't meet any offer that he received, right? If the Dodgers said, okay, our best and final is four years, 180 million, right? Guy in the yellow suit behind the tree, wiping his hands for the shorter term deal. If they don't back up the Brinks trucks, uh, trucks, plural, right? I mean, we're talking about what Jeff Bezos makes in a couple hours type money, right? If we don't go that route, then I would be disappointed. But at the end of the day, I think we have to remind ourselves that it's the player's decision. It's called free agency, free agency. They are free to sign wherever they want. And sometimes it doesn't only come down to money. It's about fit. It's about cities. It's about how comfortable they are within an organization. So it's not always about just the money. But let's dive back in the comment section. Cobra Commander, package deal, Trout and Otani. S, we need sold starters and two solid closers. Okay, Roy Estrada, get Otani in the Dodgers uniform and everything else will work out. Give him the contract he wants long-term, she said. Uh, we got, uh, I was referring to the goofy, uh, Roland said, I was referring to the goofy thing to the guy who said Otani won the same amount of playoff games as the Dodgers. Haha. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you can't hold that against players, man. It's the whole meme. Have you guys seen the meme where it's a shack, right? It's like a trailer park, and there's a shack, and there's the Bugatti parked there. He was the Bugatti parked at the trailer park in the shack, right? That's who he was. It's basically two Bugattis in Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. But, yeah, you can't fault him for that. D-Max Mama, Andrew Friedman, you have to sign Shohei Otani. Please do it for my son. He's been depressed for two years now. Okay, that's a... Bruh. And uh, 
Finish him. <laughs> my man, D-Max father, LOL. Man, my whole family's in the chat right here. I got my father, my son, my mama. Man, can't wait for Thanksgiving. We'll talk all about this. DCAM, no deal ain't happening this year. We got Victor Banos. I take the DeLorean to 2024. Otani is a Dodger, and Montgomery is starting Game 7 of the World Series. The flux capacitor fail so i had to get back i don't know the final result that's a comment of the day just because i'm the biggest back to the future fan so dodger, dodger well you're the dodger game. dog of the game but you're also going to get the you win you win perfect michael carrillo the front office needs to be responsible for these last few years failure look i mean this team this organization i agree with you i do think that this organization you need to make power moves this offseason because you showed us last year don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. Last year, they showed us with their actions that they only want to sign shorter-term deals to open that flexibility. So you saved all your money, right? Last year, it was like, okay, hey, mom, I want to go to McDonald's. And mom said, no, we're going to eat at home. We ate at home last couple of years, and maybe we ate some Topa Ramen, right? Now we're trying to go out, and we're trying to spend big. So that's going to be the most interesting thing. We got DMAC, Andrew Friedman, better, than, better make his Otani face. <laughs> that's a fire take. That's a uh, Otani in the clause in 2030. Trade Roberts for Harbaugh straight up. Wow. Jim Harbaugh. Wow. The, the Ann Arbor Astros. But coming up in our next segment, guys, we're talking about this offseason. I got nine burning offseason questions that the Dodgers need to answer. If they answer them correctly, they will be World Series champions. That's coming up next here on Dodgers Dugout Live. What up, Dodgers Nation? D-Mag here. I'm here to remind you that if you have not yet, be sure to subscribe to the number one Dodgers YouTube channel for all latest Dodgers news, rumors, hype videos, interviews, breakdowns, live streams, and more all year long. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. And if you really want to help the channel out, smash that like button. Also, you will not be eligible for any of our giveaways unless you are subscribed to the channel. So all you need to do to be eligible for all of our giveaways is just make sure that you are subscribed. We just gave away a brand new authentic Mookie Betts jersey valued at over $350. And we got tons of giveaways coming this offseason. So be sure to be subscribed so you are eligible to win. And as always, think blue, bleed blue, and please subscribe. And welcome back to Dodgers Dugout Live. Thanks for rocking with us here in the morning. We got some more topics to get into. And this next topic, we're discussing the nine burning questions the Dodgers need to answer this offseason. Do some quick hitter stuff here. And number nine is who the Dodgers protect in the Rule 5 draft. If you look at the Dodgers roster right now, they're sitting at 35 on their 40-man roster. And that's before they sign guys like a potential Clayton Kershaw, Kike Hernandez, a Ryan Brazier, and Joe Kelly. It's before they go out there and possibly make some big signings. They Shohei Otani, Yamamoto, Ine Minaga, and Aaron Nola, any of those signings. So they need to pay close attention to their roster. I do think there's the option of trading some of those guys on the 40-man roster, guys like a Michael Bush and a Miguel Vargas, pieces like that if they want to address starting pitching through the trade markets. But for me, I look at who's available. You look at the Rule 5 draft. I think quickly it's going to be Nick Frasso, Landon Knack, and Hunter Fiducia. I think those are the three guys they're ultimately going to protect. You look at Hunter Fiducia. He could be the Austin Barnes next season. After he's gone, especially if Clayton Kershaw has retired, I think you could see him get his opportunity. All he did was rake all season long. I was pounding my fist on the table for him to get another opportunity. Nick Frasso is someone that I absolutely think deserves 
the first opportunity of the next wave next season. If you look at his numbers, the strikeout rate was going up. If you look at his stuff in general, it has high upside. And here's another example of another way to replenish this farm system. A lot of people freak out when the Dodgers are involved in these trades because they're prospect huggers, right? They want to keep these guys in the farm system. You guys know I'm going to get the T-shirt made, Parades Over Prospects. But the reality is you can get prospects through other avenues. And Nick Frasso is someone they got in the Mitch White trade to the Toronto Blue Jays. So I definitely think that he's someone that's getting an opportunity. And then Landon Knack is someone else that has continued to ascend. He's someone that, for me, he's not great. He's not elite. But when you look at his floor and his bust potential, I think it's high. Right? I think the, the floor is high. The bust potential is low. I think he's going to be solid. I think he's going to provide quality, and I think he's someone that could be a depth piece. He's someone that another organization could see as maybe a number three, but Landon Knack is someone else. So I think those are the three that you're going to see protected in the Rule 5 draft on November 15th. We're going to do a deeper dive on those three players. It's just a quick-hitting segment on the big questions. Now, next big question is, what's the plan for Michael Bush and Miguel Vargas? One, will they be included in the trade? Will they get another opportunity? Where will that opportunity be on the diamond? If Miguel Vargas gets another opportunity, it's most likely going to be at one of the corner outfield spots. And Brandon Gomes, he said last week, I think that it's possible that Bush and Miguel Vargas are going to get opportunities in the outfield. And what that will do is they'll open up the possibility of getting them more reps because you can throw them in in different situations. Gomes said, we'll just see how the rest of it plays out and how they fit in. What they've done in the upper minors and their ability to move around the diamond is only beneficial. So to me, the takeaway there is we'll see how the rest of it plays out. And I think that to me is a signal. Maybe I'm running with this a little bit that we'll see which one of those guys is on the team when it comes to spring training, which of those guys might be dealt in a potential trade. Now, if you look at Vargas, he has 46 innings played in the left field, and he's logged an additional 30 in AAA. So 30 in AAA, 46 innings in left field at the big league level. Bush has only played one inning in left field, and he started 15 games the minor league level in left field. So 15 in the minors, one at the big league level. That is not a large sample size, okay? You're going to need to see if he can handle that. I know some people want to see Bush play some third base, play some second base, same with Miguel Vargas, but the reality is both of those guys, they're bat-first players, right? They're never going to hang their hat on their defense. It's just about getting them on the field. Their best position is in the batter's box. So I think you also look at just some of the other tea leaves, there was a rumor last week the Dodgers were interested in Teoscar Hernandez. Well, Teoscar Hernandez is a veteran outfielder. So if you add a veteran outfielder, you still have Chris Taylor in the mix. Jason Hayward has been rumored to want to come back to L.A. If he signs more of a team-friendly contract just to play a role where it's against right-handed pitchers, provide some pop, hit the ball hard, maybe it's all signs are pointing to Michael Bush or Miguel Vargas getting traded this offseason. I think at the very least, I can almost guarantee that one of them will be moved. It's only a question of who at this point. The next big question is, what do the Dodgers do with the bottom of their lineup? To me, this is one of the most fascinating ones this offseason because at the top of the lineup, it's going to be stacked like some pancakes. I mean, you got Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, potentially Shohei Otani, then Will Smith and Max Muncy. That is a formidable top five. That could go down as the best top five of lineup in Major League Baseball history, right? 
But then after that, it makes you wonder where they go. I mean, James Altman is going to be back. He's someone that his power could continue to go up. He's someone that hopefully is an above average bat. Last year, a 118 weighted runs created. Plus, can he build on that success and take the next step? Then you got Gavin Lux coming back from injury. You have Chris Taylor. You have Miguel Rojas. But other than that, David Peralta, Jason Hayward, Ahmed Rosario, Kike Hernandez, as of this recording, as of this live show, they're all free agents. So they have to decide who they are going to add. And I think you want to lengthen this lineup. I think you want to have a better one through six and not just rely on that top two or three. Because Freddie Mookie, one for 21 in the NLDS, they had their struggles. Shohei Otani, someone mentioned he's never been in the postseason. I can all but guarantee that he's going to have some magical moments because of how great of a hitter he is. But you definitely want to add a veteran piece it has some pop. It's a little more dynamic with the bat. It's not just a reclamation project. There's not just a guy on a one-year deal like a Peralta or someone that is coming into this as a minor league contract with a spring training invite like Jason Hayward. Yeah, it worked once. What are the chances it's going to work again? So that's the big question. What do they do with their six through nine in that lineup? I think Hayward was a great story. He was really the feel-good story of the year, kind of like a Trace Thompson, but much, much better, right, as far as how long he performed at that level. Also great friends with Freddie Freeman. You can't discount that. But at the end of the day, he was mainly platooned against right-handed pitching, and he serves a role. Do you want someone that has more of a track record that you can use for more at-bats? I mean, 400 to 500 plate appearances in that range. The next big question is, who will be the Dodgers' third baseman in 2024? Now, right now, all signs point to Max Muncy. We've talked about him at length. Last season, he had 212 had 36 home runs, tied a career high, a 118 weighted runs created plus. That was eighth among all qualified third basements. If you look at the strikeout rate at 26.4%, that was the highest that he's posted since 2018. The walk rate, though, 14.7%. He's got the power that more than makes up for it. And you look at the contract he signed next year, $5 million signing bonus. $7 million salary, then $12 million in 2025 with a $10 million club option for 2026. So he'll be back, and it makes you wonder, does signing that contract extension make him a more viable trade chip? If you're going to trade him to an organization that doesn't want him for just a rental, I think it does. Now, defensively, he's not great. There's no doubt about that. A minus three defensive run saved, a minus five RAA, a minus 7.7 use yard, over a thousand innings. He really is what he is, but the fact that he's still worth 2.9 war lets you know that he still provides a lot of value from that standpoint. So if Nolan Arenado becomes available, do they go that route? Do they decide to trade for Nolan Arenado? Because what if the Cardinals, what if they strike out on some of these big pitching targets? The Cardinals need pitching badly. They need the... They need a Jordan Montgomery back. You need to sign a Nolan Aranola, a Norlin, an Aranola, right? Do you go out there and make one of these big acquisitions? An Imanaga, a Yoshinobu Yamoto. I think they're in the mix for him. But if they don't sign one of those big starting pitchers and they decide maybe we do enter rebuild, maybe they go that route. I'm not saying it's likely. But I'm just trying to paint different scenarios. So that definitely makes you wonder, who's going to be the third baseman? If the Dodgers don't get Shohei Otani, and they have a lot of money to spend that's burning a, a hole in their pocket, do you consider a Matt Chapman? Does having Matt Chapman at third base make you feel better about giving Gavin Lux that opportunity? So big question, who will be the starting third baseman for the Dodgers next season? Then next question, who will be the starting shortstop 
Who will be the starting shortstop? Is it going to be Gavin Lux? Is it going to be a combination of Gavin Lux and Miguel Rojas? Will they trade for a Willie Adamas? Will they trade for a Bo Bichette and shock the baseball world and pull off a blockbuster for a Bo Bichette? I mean, like I said, first year coming off the ACL, LCL, restricted shift. This team needs to win next season. Really makes you wonder, will we see more Mookie Betts at shortstop next season? He proved it at the very least. He can handle it and play it at an average level. It means something. So who will be the starting shortstop on opening day? And what will they do at that position next year? Major, major question. Then next big question, who will fill out their rotation? I almost made this the top question, but who will fill out their rotation? You got guys coming back from injury. Walker Bueller, possibly Dustin May. You've got young guys emerging. Bobby Miller, Ryan Pepio, Gavin Stone hopefully has a better start to next season and lives up to his potential. A Michael Grove, a Kyle Hurd could see Nick Frasso next season, could see Landon Knack next season if they don't trade him. Now, Brandon Gomes said the other day the team is still discussing whether to put an innings limit on Walker Bueller in 2024. It was quoted as saying, we're still talking about it. I think it's always striking the balance of how to do it. There's a lot of different ways to go about making sure he's in the best position possible for the stretch run. It's something we'll keep having conversations with him as we get closer to spring. So, can Walker Buehler just be 80% of the pitcher that he was in 2018? Can he be a solid three, a high level two? Will he get back to pitching like an ace? Massive question. Will Bobby Miller continue to emerge? Not just what he can do from a pitching standpoint, but also handling his emotions, maturing as a player, continuing to refine that pitch mix and go from being a thrower to a pitcher. That's another big question. Of course, didn't have a good start there in game two of the NLDS. So I'm sure that he's losing sleep about that all offseason long. And knowing the competitor that Bobby Miller is, I'm sure he wants to improve next season, take his game to the next level. There's a world where Bobby Miller makes the all-star team next year. Ryan Pepio, a lot of success after he returned from the oblique injury. Can he build on that? The young guys, we talked about them, but will they sign a Yamamoto, Snell, Nola, Montgomery, guys like that? Will they trade for a Burns, Cease, Keller, Glass now? That is the massive question. Then I'll add another question to that. Will Clayton Kershaw return in 2024? Will he re-sign with the Dodgers so he can have access to their training staff, to all their medical teams, and have him in the fold as a potential guy that returns late next year? I still have my doubts. Shoulder injuries, like I said, ask Oral Hershiser, ask Fernando Valenzuela. Until we see it, I think I'm going to have my doubts, right? So will he be back with the Dodgers? Another one. But the number one question for the offseason is the biggest domino of all dominoes. Will the Dodgers sign Shohei Otani? Will they sign the most coveted free agent in sports history? Will they sign a player that has the potential to shatter every single contract value that we've seen, not just in baseball, but in professional sports? A guy that could make 50 to $60 million a season. A guy that could sign between $500 and $600 million. A guy that could change this lineup, could change this rotation, that's the massive question because if you sign Shohei Otani, then you really start to limit some of the guys you can sign moving forward. You have to 100% be all in on Shohei if you're going to show him the money. If you think that him 
along with Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, can win at the very least one World Series title in the next two, three, four, five years, I think it's 100% worth it. I'm not concerned about the injury history as far as the arm goes. He's worth it just as a hitter. But if you sign Shohei Otani, I think you take this franchise to a whole nother level, not just on the field, but off the field. They become a spectacle. This is the most relevant the Dodgers will ever be internationally if you sign Shohei Otani. Just think about how many Dodgers fans you know. Think about how popular this franchise is. You are going to get an entirely new group of fans that aren't even Dodgers fans. They are Shohei Otani fans. They are literally hundreds and thousands and possibly millions of fans out there that don't own one piece of Dodgers merchandise right now that overnight will because of Shohei Otani. It's a big deal. It couldn't be any bigger because if you get the biggest free agent in the history of the sport, that shows that this Dodgers team, they, to me, they're in the pot. They could pass the Yankees, right? As far as I don't call them the evil empire or anything like that, but as far as a franchise that from a revenue standpoint realizes the value of Shohei, they realize the value of changing the narrative for a fan base. That's very frustrated right now, quite frankly, after two years of ineptitude in the postseason where you win 211 games but have just one postseason win, there's a lot of very, very frustrating fans right now. And look, fans get over angry. Fans definitely get over angry, right? But they don't get over just the depressed disappointment of seeing the same thing again and again, right? I think if you get Shohei Otani, you immediately re-energize this franchise. You say, okay, look, you know what? We are absolutely going for it. We want to create a dynasty here. And like I said, this is a franchise that, I mean, Jackie Robinson, Fernando Valenzuela, Shohei Otani, right? Every couple of decades, every 30 years or so, they gain a player that transcends what happens on the field, that transcends just the sport of baseball. Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier. Fernando Valenzuela. Fernando Mania bringing in an entire demographic into Dodgers Stadium that wasn't there. A Mexican star pitcher that they found. Hideo Nomo becoming the first Japanese pitcher to make an all-star team. Then the next chapter, a Shohei Otani. It's going to be spectacular. But let me know down below in the comment section, what are your burning questions for the Dodgers this offseason? What questions do you think they absolutely need to answer for this team to be back in the World Series. Let's go down below in the comment section. Thanks for rocking with us here on Dodgers Dugout Live, your daily Dodgers podcast and live stream covering all things Dodger baseball, everything you need to know all year round. No days off here, guys. Bush, 808. We need another JD, but can play a defense. Yeah, Jim, JD Martinez stands for JD, stands for just dingers, not just defense. But uh, Vargas will be the same player next season. Trade him, Jason Diamond. Look, I'm open to trading a Miguel Vargas. I truly am. You guys know I'm a Miguel Vargas fan. You guys know where I sit with that. I mean, when it comes to Miguel Vargas, if Miggy Vargas has a million fans, I'm one of them. If he has one fan, that is me. If Miggy Vargas has no fans, I'm no longer on this earth. If the world is against Miggy Vargas, I'm against this world. By the same token, it's all about winning championships. What I always say, don't fall in love with players, fall in like. All I care about is winning World Series titles because at the end of the day, that is what you remember. It's just the truth. So I'm absolutely open to trading a Miguel Vargas. Only issue is you are paying him when his, 
you're trading him potential when his value is at an all-time low. Bro, the 2024 Dodgers batting rotation is about to be more wild than the D-Mac family reunion. What a D-Mac's father. Yeah, the D-Mac family reunion goes pretty ham. It was in Pittsburgh one time. A trade for India and Green. We're going to talk about them tomorrow. What up, Nando390? Nando. By the way, Nando, this is pretty much invented for Bruh. you. We got Dodgers need Yamamoto. Most of all, 25-year-old potential ace. We'll talk some more Yamamoto as well. I think for him, look, he's a little slight. Five foot ten. So is Pedro Martinez. Worst trade in Dodgers history, right? As long as he can stay healthy, he's someone, though, you're talking about a nine-year deal potentially, an eight-year deal potentially. Do you want to go that high when there's teams like the Yankees or Mets out there? I think he ends up with either the Yankees or the New York Mets. My gut tells me on Yamamoto, he ends up with the New York Mets. Muncie living on that proper, that poverty paycheck. D-Max father, the NL Central, will be the weakest division next year. Nano 390 Lux is below average bat and glove. Rods Wilson, smash the like button for the Dodgers. Yeah, smash that like button if you want to see the Dodgers sign Shohei Otani. Sean, what if the Dodgers move Mookie to third? Dude has a rocket arm and can pick it. Sean, that's a fire take. Fire take. I like ideas. I like ideas. Don't necessarily see that for next year, but Mookie can do whatever he wants. He truly can on a diamond. Defensively, he absolutely could do that if he wanted to. Bo won't go from Boomer Assassin. Lux better at second base. Mike Rodriguez. I disagree with that. I think that Lux came up as a shortstop. That is his natural position. Nando, DMAC, hear me out. Burns, Adamas, Yelich, and half of his contract for a couple of prospects and some Micheladas. Look, I'm open to a blockbuster deal with the Milwaukee Brewers. Yelich, it's a lot of team control until 2029, but he's still an above average bat. You saw this organization pay for Carl Crawford. You saw his organization pay for Trevor Bauer, guys that didn't help them. At the end of the day, he's an above average bat. You need another left fielder, not opposed to it. If it comes down to it, you just really have to hope that all those guys help you win next season. It really ups the sense of urgency. If I were Friedman, I'd sign Yamamoto and Maeda to mentor him. Kenta can show Yoshinobu all the best sushi spots in L.A., and how to adjust to the major, major league. That's from Sean. Love me some Kenta Maeda. Really interesting contract that they signed him to. We got Yamamoto in trade for Burns. Sign Otani. That's from Mike over there. Let's do some rapid fire comments here, and then we'll let you guys enjoy the rest of your Monday. Case the Mondays, by the way. Thanks for rocking with this, guys. The morning show, you guys have been a part of this. I want to apologize to all your bosses out there. You know, we hurt productivity a little bit, but still, hey, you need your Dodger baseball, right? Yo, DMAG, you should be Otani's agent. Chris, hey, Nez Bolello does a great job, but I definitely am a big proponent of signing show. Let's put that uh, right there. I got jams. It all starts with Otani. Yankees are more overrated than my wife's nachos. That's from DMAG's father. Bruh. Let Kershaw go to Texas, then we can get rid of that dead weight in Barnes. That's from Jason Diamond. Show him the money. That's from Cameron Elliott. Did you hear that the Braves are in two? That's from LA for life. We got the, we got the DMAG. Did my super chat go through Francisco Diaz? I don't know. Do we get, let me see. Do we got any super chats over there, Jordan? Uh, what the hell happened to Diego Cartaya? We actually talked about him in a previous episode. So go back and watch that. We got Lorenzo. Here's a super chat over here. Thank you so much, Lorenzo. You win. Perfect. This is a hot take, but you say, 499, I really appreciate that. Going right to the Otani fund. Oh, Outman goes to a corner. Bring Belly back. Look, Belly's in a position where the lack of great hitters that are available this time around, he could sign a 10 to 12-year deal. 
Here's a world where he signs for $250 plus million. Belly is not that guy for the Dodgers. I love Cody Bellinger. You guys know I'm the ultimate belly ever. But when you look at the competition right now, I don't think that's going to be the case. A couple more here. We got Scott Boris. His agent is overrated. We got reports Shohei intrigued by playing for the Braves. That's from Saul Peralta. And that's what we talked about earlier. Like the Braves are a team that if he's willing to sign that shorter term deal, maybe the Braves, a very proper, a very profitable organization with Liberty Media. Hey, at the price that Otani's going to want, you're going to make some money off it. It'd be interesting. But look at last year, though. Last year, that Braves team, they were the greatest offense ever, essentially, in the regular season. They struggled in the postseason. But uh, Roberts came up as an outfitter. Why is he a manager? BC. A couple more here. Give Otani a lifetime supply of Dodger dogs. That's from Cobra Commander. Craig Osberg says Otani is bust. Win. Perfect. All right, so that's going to, we got uh, Brian Cash about to fight everyone at the trade downs for Nando. But that's going to do it for this episode of Dodgers Dugout Live. My name is Doug McCann. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the Dodgers Nation YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, hit that like button, drop a comment below on all your takes on all these topics. Remember, nothing brings together quite like Dodger baseball. And until next time, think blue, believe blue, and I'm out. In a roaring stadium, their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. home. 